A few good men. Webster's Dictionary defines good as an adjective, having desirable and favorable qualities, characteristics, moral excellence, virtuous, well-behaved, proper, excellent in decree and quality, unspoiled, fresh, healthy, striking, or attractive, and the list goes on. However, we can safely say that the word good is above average. It's better than the norm. The phrase, a few good men, started in 1776 by William Jones, recruiting men for the newly formed American Navy. He first used the phrase, a few good men, and the Marines have picked it up and used it for over 200 years. And they've used it for a good reason. It is psychologically asking, how do I measure up against all other men? In order to see how you measure up, you have to join up. And that's the catch. The other military phrase better that's a little better known, but not as widely used, is Uncle Sam's, I want you. We've all seen it. Hugely effective and gender neutral. Which is a very good point because it needs to be pointed out that women have been filling positions within the military since the Civil War. And their role is not to be minimized, and especially in today's culture. During the research of this sermon this morning, I ran across the men's thesaurus. I know that this will come as a shock to some of you ladies, but sometimes we don't really say what we mean. I know that's a shock. But uh, let me allow to translate for future reference a little bit about what we might mean when a man says, it'll take too long to explain what he really means, that I have no idea how it works. When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working way too hard, what he really means, I can't hear the game over the vacuum sweeper. When a man says, it's interesting, dear, he means, are you still talking? When a man says, it's a guy thing, he means there is no rational thought pattern connected with this, and you have no chance at all of making it logical. Right, Helen? And when a man says, oh, sure, honey, uh, yes, dear, he really means absolutely nothing. This is a preconditioned response. When a man says, you know, I how bad my memory is, he means I can't remember the theme, I can remember the theme song to Hogan's Heroes, the first phone number of the girl I ever kissed, and the identification number of the first car I owned, but yes, honey, I forgot your birthday. When a man says, you look terrific, he really means, oh, please don't try on one more outfit. I'm late and I'm hungry. When a man says, you know, I could never love anyone else, he really means, I'm so used to the way you yell at me, it could be worse. I 
thank God for a few good men that he has sent here to Bellevue United Methodist Church. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30, in this verse, Jerusalem is in chaos. In all aspects of society, have turned away from God down to the last man. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I sought for a man among them that they should stand up to the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. God could not find a good man in Jerusalem at that time, and he would eventually destroy Jerusalem over it. God is also looking for a few good men in today's world, men who have the right stuff, men who have desirable qualities and characteristics that make them stand apart from other men. A moral and righteous compass where all points lead in one direction. Oh. The Bible tells us that no man comes unto the Father except through me. And that takes faith. God is looking for a few good men with faith. Faith is a belief in a value or a truth or a trustworthiness in someone or something. And faith is trusting in God for all that he is and all that he stands for. Being faithful in the performance of your faith, being true and trustworthy in the performance of your promises and your obligations. Your word is part of your faith. God is looking for a few good men who are of courage, who stand up in the face of fear for what they believe. I know you have heard the phrase, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And if you don't stand for something, you will go through life under a cloud of apathy. God is looking for men who will stand up for their faith and their God, not only in defense of faith, but in the glorification of Christ, making the effort to study the word of God in order to speak passionately, intelligently, and accurately to his family, his friends, and his neighbors. That doesn't mean that you need to be theologically a scholar. It doesn't mean that. We judge men by their stature and the content of their character. But God judges men by the commitment of their heart to him. God is looking for men who are strong. Not in the strength of body, but of character and conviction. A man that means what he says and says exactly what he means. Men who do not crumble under the weight of everyday life. Men who are not crushed by criticism of others because he does not do what they think should be done. Men who do not fall apart because life is handing them an unfair balance of work, illness, financial struggle, and a litany, litany of other life-altering circumstances. And this is tough. This is hard. A man who acknowledges his weaknesses as a man and builds his character on his strength. A man who knows there is no greater strength in this world than the strength given to him by faith in Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. God needs a few good men. Caring men. Men who are about others and not as much about themselves. Putting others first. We are to love our neighbor as thyself. Men who really care about what their wives think and what they feel. Men who are involved with their children, not as a friend, but as a parent. Telling someone you care is fine, but showing someone you care is everything in all relationships. You can always tell when a man cares, because he gets involved in the things that really matter in his life, and God needs a few more good men. Giving men. Men who give freely of their time to their spouse, children, their jobs, themselves, and their faith. It sounds easy, but it's not. It takes tenacity, perseverance, and conviction. Men who give their talents not just for themselves, but for their community, their church, as well as their families. And men who give of their gifts. Here are some prerequisites for being a good father, being a good man, functioning as a man, taking responsibility as a man, thinking like a man, acting like a man, and working like a man. All these are prerequisites to being a good father. You will not be a good father until you are a good man. It's a dying art in today's world. It's getting harder and harder to find a good man. Thank God we have a few here in this church and in this community. We're fortunate. We can always use a few more. God needs a few good men who can be good fathers by balancing quality of time with the quantity of time, providing necessary access to be to ensure their children's growth, maturity, and development so that they can be contributors of tomorrow's society. These characteristics show love and commitment and security to your family, not to see you as just a father, but as a mentor, someone that their children would like to emulate to be a good Christian father. Christian men learn to lean on the Lord. This morning, I want to search the scriptures a little bit and talk about men that we can pattern our lives after. These men are by no means perfect. Nobody that has ever walked the face of this earth outside of Jesus Christ was, is, or will ever be perfect. These are godly men, though, and they gave us some good examples to follow. Christian men like Peter. In John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, Jesus is asking Peter three times, do you love me? Peter denied Christ three times. Peter had to decide to give Christ first place. Christianity is giving Christ preeminence. Top shelf, first place. 
There is not a soul in this church that has not denied Christ in one way or another sometime in their life. But Peter was man enough to repent, and God showed him mercy. God needs courageous men like Joshua and Caleb. In Numbers chapter 13, 25 through 26, God told Moses to send men to survey Canaan. Moses sent one man from each tribe. They searched the land for 40 days, and 10 came back and were afraid to conquer the land against God's will. But Caleb and Joshua showed great courage and wanted to conquer the land despite what the others thought. They stood firm against all the opposition. God plagued those people. God spared Joshua and Caleb, and they were the only two that entered the promised land because they had faith. They were courageous. God needs consecrated men like Daniel. In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, Daniel was second in command under King Darius. The rulers of the land sought to find something against him. They persuaded the king to make a decree that the people could only pray to the king, and this decree could not be changed. Daniel continued to pray three times a day to God, and someone saw him. So they cast him to the lions, and God closed the lion's mouth. Daniel was faithful, and God blessed him. God needs consistent men like Job. Job was a godly father and prosperous. Satan is permitted by God to test Job for 40 days. Lost his property, his children. Job himself was afflicted. His only wife told him to curse God, but he remained faithful. Job's three friends stayed with him for seven days in absolute silence because Job was absolutely overcome with grief. Job remained faithful. And because he stayed obedient to God, his prosperity was restored. A lesser man would crumble. God doesn't need Sunday morning Christians. He needs Christians 24-7, men who can stand up. God needs compassionate men like Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 5-21, through 21, Paul was a religious leader. He didn't care about his past. He wanted to please God. Paul wished the same for others. He looked forward to heaven. Paul gave his testimony wherever he went. God wants men with warm hearts and willing hands. God wants men to kneel in prayer. God wants men to sweep over lost souls and to care for them. God wants men with vision. The Lord wants men to lean on him and to trust in him. Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean on to your own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We need to lean on the Lord for salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by the grace ye are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man 
boats. We men are sometimes bad about trying to be in control. We make things happen, or we think we do. Often ladies find it easier to rest in the Lord or to lean on him for salvation because for most women it's natural to place themselves into someone else's hands. Their father first, maybe a trustworthy husband next. But that is not the natural way for men. And Jesus solved this dilemma in Matthew 18.3, saying, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little, little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Children have the attitude of trust when they're small, even male children. But something happens to us once we begin to feel the slightest thickening of our skin. I thank God for a few men we have here at Bellevue Church. They have learned to lean on the Lord for their salvation. We need to lean on the Lord for strength. In Isaiah 40, 30, 31, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but that they wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The source of your strength is not yours. It's God's. In Psalms 14:7, we delight not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of man. These verses tell us God is not interested in physical strength, but only in the strength of our conviction of our faith in him. God is looking for just a few good men. Men who need to lean on God for supply. In Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We all want to be the breadwinner, the mighty hunter. But ultimately, we need to see even ourselves as being in God's hands. God does supply our needs, but we need not squander it on ourselves, overlooking the work of the Lord. We need to lead our families. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Being the head of the household is not being the big boss, top dog, big kahuna. It's about a loving relationship. God is no respecter of gender. Women are equal in his sight. The Bible says she is the weaker vessel. This is not an insult. Rather, it's a compliment to her. She is not less valuable. She is more fragile and in need of strong, loving leadership. Women are of fine silk, and men are more like corduroy. In God's wisdom, he has given each family one head. For anything with two heads is a monster. Being the head of the house is not a privilege as much as it is a responsibility. When we said the only re real relationship is a loving relationship, let's take it just a little bit farther. God admonishes every husband to love your wife. He demands you love your wife. 
This is a strange admonition to many. And some will say, well, if I didn't love her, I would have never married her. Wait a minute. Love, as used here, means more than just affection. It means more than emotional feeling and satisfaction. It means that you or I are going to seek the welfare and the happiness of this person we are going to love and lead them lovingly. That means that my effort will be to make the object of my love and affection happy, secure, and comfortable. The hardest thing, men, that you will ever do is to be a good husband and to be a good father. In the Bible, Eli could not run, or he could run the temple, but he couldn't run his own family. David could run a kingdom and lead men into battle. He was courageous, but he could not control his children. Leading our flesh means leading our families. As Christian men, we are to lead the fallen to righteousness. That's why God left us here, to help the fallen. We are to lead the charge to bring the world of God to the fallen as Christian fellowship whenever and wherever that opportunity is put in front of us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. I thank God for a few good men, men who have learned to love, in Corinthians 13:1 through 6, I, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I have not charity. I have become as a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, I have not charity. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not charity. It profits me nothing. What is being said here, gentlemen, is you can have everything in the world. You can be everything possible and even be everything you want to be. But without love and the love of God, you have nothing. You have nothing. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30. And I sought for a man among them that they make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Can you be found? Will you stand in the gap? God is standing before us today with his finger pointed. And he's saying, I want you. Will you heed the call today to be a Christian man? Will you put Jesus first place in your life? Will you make him the president? Or is he just a resident in your life? Are you courageous today? Will you stand with Joshua and Caleb, even though the odds are against you, even though it would be much easier to compromise and hang with the crowd? 
even though it may cost friendships, family, relationships, pleasures, and even your life? Will you do what you know is right? Have you consecrated yourself to God? Have you given him 100% of your time, your talents, and your treasures? Are you a consistent man? Are you a compassionate man? There is, a, there is a type of man, though, that you must be before you can have any of these qualities. Before you can be a Christian or courageous or consecrated or consistent or passionate or compassionate, you need to be converted. You must know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Then he will help you to become the man that you ought to be the man you have really wanted to be, and the man that God knows you can be. Happy Father's Day. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for all the good men in our lives, for all the selfless acts they provide to make our lives better, happier, secure. Father, we ask that you watch over those families that are missing that father in their lives. Father, we know that your strength comes from you, and for that we are grateful. Watch over them, care for them, help them to be good Christian men, because the world needs a few good men in Jesus' name. Would the ushers come forward, please?